Blog Talk Radio. Let me know. <laughs> so, is that time? It's the next, next space show with Alan Joe, and I am Joe. Just so you know, uh, guest call in number is 714 242 5145. This is KWAD Radio. And also, just to let you know that under the chat information, you obviously need to be, I believe you need to be signed in for this, but if you get the chat information, it's really worth that because we include the all of the places in which uh, he's found that Al has found all this news for the week, and uh, I will be putting up those links as he's talking. So you'll be able to click on them. They'll be clickable and go right to this, the location on the Internet that he found it. And you can also, at the end of the show, copy and paste before we log out. So we'll give you a little time to do that. So without further ado, are you ready? I'm ready. He said he's ready, so we better save it so that way I can grab it. Then <laughs> here is... Here is... Uh, oh, yeah. Good evening. Yeah, well, just technical difficulties there, so we had a different mic, so 
Hopefully we'll make it. Yeah. You just dig your mouth right in there. Well, hopefully things are working well, Miss Engineer. Hey. <laughs> Technology is what it is, man. It's been an interesting week, uh, particularly this evening with Super Bowl uh, Sunday going on. Right on the other uh, side of town. Exactly. I'll tell you what, I am so glad we're not on that side of town. Oh, man, we saw the, we saw the just really great fit, uh, well, pictures of the traffic over there. And uh, even as of 12.30 this afternoon, it was gridlock over there. Well, I can't only, even imagine it's 3 o'clock. Well, not only that, but uh, you've got the golfers up in Scottsdale. Going on yes, too. yeah, yes. You got the, the big golfing tournament, you know, with mm-hmm. Tiger Woods, who I guess apparently uh, lost his ball in the cacti, and, and 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 being the weird guy that he is, decided to dig for it in the cacti, not understanding that <laughs> that's that, that, that's a thorny problem. That they those cacti like to hang on to you. So uh, everyone else is looking around, watching him do this, thinking, I know what I was thinking. What an idiot. <laughs> so with, with that, that's your PGA thing going on. We got, you know, spot news when it comes to that. And uh, that's what I have to say about that. And so, yes, we're glad that we're in Mesa, which is like the other side of the, the other corner of the world compared to Scottsdale. Where where the golf tournament is going on and where the Super Bowl is on in Glendale, so thank goodness we're on this side of town. That's all I got to say. Yeah, it's 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 nice, and of course today uh, we got lots of sunshine. Both yeah, I know. We were worried about that for two days. Yeah, I we thought, oh sure, it rained for Friday and Saturday. Really, I mean buckets, people. I mean we were flooding here. Yeah, and of course this morning I woke up when I. Start it's foggy. Start. I heard it's foggy. Oh, it's dastardly foggy. I mean, it's, <laughs> uh, you drive down the road wondering if I can even see the the road in front of the tires. It was it was it was seriously that foggy. I I saw that it was foggy. I thought of you. Mm-hmm. Going wow. I wonder how he got to work this morning. But hey. Well, that was probably two and a half hours after the after the thought. Well, of course. Yeah. yeah. I'm not stupid. Yeah, you're just not an <laughs> early riser. No, I'm not. But then again, I'm early, so I don't go to bed very early either. So, all right, well, find this thing here. starting a couple of days ago, hang on, um, hang on, hang on. we've been on, I've uh, been watching things as they go along, and, and, and this week, an independent safety panel back on uh, the 30th, uh, criticized a lack of transparency by the NASA program preparing to launch astronauts from Florida on private rockets and spacecraft, calling it an issue, calling it the issue. We're, we're on the safety, safety thing? Well, sure. Okay. So I said safety. Well, make sure we're on the same one. Calling it an issue that could increase safety risks. Now, <laughs> NASA's Aerospace Safety Advisory Panel formed... Uh, in 1967, after the pad fire that killed the three Apollo 1 astronauts, said commercial crew program's opacity failure to engage in open and transparent communication recalled programs found to have contributed to the Challenger and Columbia shuttle disasters. And, of course, we uh, actually this week, NASA uh, remembered all three of these uh, serious space disasters for the NASA well, what a thing to remember. Why? Well, you, you want to remember the good stuff. Well, do, you, do you really want to remember all the disasters? Actually, yeah, you do, because uh, for several reasons, if nothing else, you don't want those lives to be to be taken in vain. Uh, you know, you want to remember the people that really gave their all for the program, who made uh, made the, the supreme sacrifice. That um, is true. They were, also, they were heroes in their own life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also to remember them for the history lesson that they do provide um, from that particular event, whether it be the lessons learned from the Apollo 1 fire that taught us that pure oxygen is a bad environment for a spacecraft, um, 
or the issues with the tiles and making sure that we inspect them promptly, um, or the issues with the, um, I forget what the other issue was. Um, Heat shield? Well, that was the tiles. Um, oh, the launch from the um, solid rocket boosters. Ah. Making sure everything's, uh, making sure that they launch within the same parameters as the program is defined to launch from, rather than trying to push the envelope a little bit too far. So, irregardless, we always learn from these mistakes. And then in private space, we have the scale composites um, explosion that happened just a year and a half ago, I think it was. Wow. Uh, the fuel well. depot exploded, and then we had yeah. the Virgin Galactic crash just this past uh, six months ago. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we learn our lessons from these things. We do. And, and we move forward. We would hope so. Yes, we would uh, hope so. Sadly, in the case of NASA's lessons, it took them two or more years before they could restart the programs. And this is a far cry different than the private programs, which actually let the investigations go, but continued forward, instituting immediate changes to facilitate improvements of safety um, right off of the bat. The speed and the directness with which a private program can go forward, as opposed to a public program, it's just it's phenomenal. Um, these are people, who, and you can't say either type of program cares more. You can't say either one is more effective. Although we are finding that the private program is coming in far less expensive, making progress seemingly far faster than others, other public programs. So there are differences, but yeah, we want to we want to remember these people, and we want to keep in mind that safety, while important, should not stop us from going. Exactly. So. So we're talking about the Russians now. And in fact. Rocket, Space Corporation, Energia, and the Russian Aerospace Enterprises are working on creating a new manned spacecraft intended for missions to the moon. Now, I, I have to qualify this. Um, there are many reports that, we're get, that we have gotten from Russia over the last year or so. Um, the on-again, off-again Russian departure from the ISS. The on-again, off-again... Um, different aspects of their launch program overall. Um, the idea that sometimes they're going to go to the moon, sometimes they're not going to go to the moon, then they're going to go to the moon again, now they're going to the moon again. Um, <laughs> Ping pong. To, to a certain extent, there is there is some of this. And you got to understand, yeah, the Russian economy is a bit of a finagle dangle thing over there right now. Um, hey. As we enjoy the these great prices thing? on fuel, the Russians are struggling with a, a very substantial loss of revenue uh, from their economy. So we have to remember sometimes that for everything there is a give and a take. Um, but anyway, uh, this is uh, Nikolai Bryukhanov, Deputy General Con Constructor of RSC Energy, said in a speech given just this past week at ac academic recitals, that RSC Energy is working on the spacecraft. We are the head organization, and there is a lot of cooperation in the development and production of the spacecraft. The main task of the new ship is to take the crew to high orbits, including the orbit around the moon and back, he said. Now, he reiterated that the UN requirements on the non-contamination of space and on ground infrastructure safety are fulfilled in the course of this work. Now, it, again, it's, 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 a, it's a traditional multi-part program spaceship boosts off the Earth, gets into orbit, gets uh, heads over toward lunar orbit, does its once around, uh, and then heads back, divests itself of its uh, secondary boost module, and then returns to Earth. So it's we, we remember this from the Apollo program and also from the other programs that have delved into this type of a program going to the moon and back. So it's interesting stuff if, if the Russians do indeed uh, proceed forward. Also from Russia this past week, 
they have merged two other large corporations, um, the United Rocket and Space Corporation and Roscosmos, have been merged into a single entity to be called Roscosmos State Corporation. Igor Kamarov has been appointed as head of Roscosmos, and Yuri Vlazov, former deputy head of the United Rocket and Space Corp, for projects and programs, has been appointed as temporary head of the corporation. Now, the second stage of the reform has begun, not only the industry, as it was in the case of the United Rocket and Space Corporation, but the whole sector is being reformed, said Dmitry Rogozin, deputy prime minister of Russia. So the Russians are going through a whole lot of uh, changes. Sounds like grand pants. I think it. I think it is, uh, but I think it's good stuff. I mean, they're they're consolidating, and that's an important thing. Um, moving over into private uh, space, uh, on Universe Today, they had a great article this week. Uh, Elon Musk and the SpaceX Odyssey, the path from Falcon 9 to Mars colonization transporter. Now, Tim Reyes uh, presents a nice uh, uh, chronology. He talks about some of the history, um, and he relates it to a certain degree to Stanley Kubrick's 2001. We all remember that one. Oh, well, yeah. With Hal and, yeah. and yeah. Roger. Crazy uh, Hal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dave Bowman. <laughs> All the different things are going on this. And, and he talks about the, the wonderful evolution that SpaceX has given us in the initial uh, just another rocket company in the very beginning back in the early 2000s, um, just wanting to seeming like they just wanted to get into the satellite business and then moving forward and giving us now uh, the Falcon 1's uh, challenges, then the Falcon 9, its flights. Now we are we're, have just delivered our fifth CRS-5 cargo trip to the International Space Station this past week. Um, and also, also, their, I think, third, perhaps, or fourth, I think it was their third attempt at a booster recovery. This one, closer yet to being able to refurbish the booster uh, ship to get her uh, to get onto this track of reducing and redu reusing spacecraft to reduce costs. And that's going to be exciting. Yeah. I mean, you and I watched that video a couple of I times. I know. Just really trying to get a, get a gauge on it. And uh, they're moving forward with the Dragon version 2, uh, preparing to, for two, uh, a series of tests this year. Um, so lots of lots of stuff going on over with uh, with SpaceX. Now our next article uh, from NASA.gov. NASA, Boeing, and SpaceX outline their objectives to the station flights. In other words, it's a commercial crew program. And in this this article, they talk about the upcoming tests that both craft, the uh, Boeing CST-100 and the Dragon V-2, will be going through some of those highlights being the pad aboard test for Boeing in February, followed by an uncrewed flight test in April, then a flight with a test pilot and an astro astronaut in July of 2017. Oh, excuse me, all three of these are in 2017. Now, SpaceX anticipates a pad aboard test in about a month from now, and an in-flight abort test later this year as part of its previous development phase. An uncrewed flight test is planned for late 2016, and a crewed flight test in early 2017. So conceivably, according to this particular schedule, um, SpaceX is likely to be flying a manned crewed Dragon before Boeing gets their CST uh, on the pad. It's going to be interesting to see how this new race for space, as many people are calling it, uh, takes shape. Uh, when you consider just a few years ago, yeah. um, this whole thing was all we paperware were, and well, ideas. We were retiring these shuttles. And, and everybody raising yeah. a holy stink about not having ways to get astronauts to the ISS. So it's yeah. definitely um, a new way of, of doing stuff. The commerce is different and changing. Yeah, yeah. it really is. It really is. 
SpaceX NEARS pad abort test. Oh, okay. Nice of somebody to keep me on track. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute. No, you're in the LA Times. That is in the LA Times? They, no, I guess Virgin Galactic. Oh, yeah. We got to talk about this. This is actually. Um, <laughs> Good thing I'm following you. Yeah. Making me keep it. I'm actually right in front of you. Yeah. The LA Times reported this week the Virgin Galactic will move forward with its new rocket test without its longtime aerospace partner. And basically, um, this isn't that the, that the two companies, Virgin Galactic and, and uh, uh, Scale Composites, are parting, parting company. It is just that Scale Composites, Virgin Fields, isn't uh, necessary to be present at this engine test. So, um, <clears throat> what is it? Uh, and, it and specifically, it says da -da 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 -da. they work together closely to test Spaceship Two. Now, Scaled was conducting the rocket's tests October 31st when it broke apart over Mojave Desert, killing one of the two pilots aboard. Now, the test of the new spaceship, which is under construction at Hangar Mojave, will be conducted by Virgin's own team of pilots. Uh, those tests are expected to begin later this year. Um, Scaled will still continue to be connected to the project, but <clears throat> there'll be uh, that involvement will change as time goes on, which is which is usual. I mean, when you look at what Scaled is doing nowadays in in a lot of their other work, working with Boeing now. Um, and uh, uh, Bigelow, actually, and Stratolaunch, that's who they're working with. So a lot of new stuff coming down coming down the pike. Uh, also, in our um, private space stuff, new space arena, SpaceX is getting ready for their pad abort test. Now, they're finishing up their preparations for a major test on a rocket power system. And, of course, one of the things that to remember about the Dragon system is it breaks the mold from all other uh, crew craft in that the pad abort system is built into the Dragon itself instead of being a set of rockets that tries to lift it off of the uh, other booster system. Now the Dragon system uh, then gets another benefit from having the rockets built into the craft, and that is, is the ability down the road to actually be able to do a um, uh, power-assisted landing, which when they get that far is, again, going to be really, uh, really exciting. Now, the redesigned version of the uh, Dragon capsule should be ready for an uncrewed space mission by late 2016, said Gwen Shotwell, the company's president, and a piloted test flight will follow in early 2017. Now, they've already built the prototype version of the capsule for the abort test, and the craft will not carry a space-related life support system or cockpit displays, but SpaceX have said an instrument of mannequin will be strapped into the seat inside the cruise capsule's crew cabin. Um, so and that's, again, lots more exciting stuff. Lots of stuff happening this year. Looking forward to the, you know, what's going to look like, what a climb is going to look like by the end of the year when it comes to well, yeah. space. And, and not only that, um, as SpaceX moves forward with their the satellite launches, of which we're going to talk about another one up here in just a moment, the idea that um, this whole reusability scenario mm -hmm. is just, I mean, it's, it's shaking the very fabric of, of the way business is done uh, with expendable rockets. And so, um, and along with that, one of the things that SpaceX is doing, some of you may remember that the first few launches of the Dragon Craft to the ISS were on the Falcon 9 version 1 rocket with the squared off uh, configuration of the rocket engines. They introduced shortly thereafter uh, the Falcon 9 um, revision, which introduced the Octaweb configuration, which is more of a uh, circular configuration of the engines. And also in that, they extended the length of the booster and improved the boosting capacity of the engines themselves. Now we're, we're about uh, 
next launch to come up soon will include a basically a full throttle Falcon 9. Currently, the last few launches of the Falcon 9 ship have been basically not quite to full capacity on the boost. So what they've done is they've been able to uh, increase the engine's uh, thrust by almost, I think it was like 20%, I read. But now that's coming up with, so what we've got is SpaceX is doing in incremental upgrades to their craft as they move through their launch manifest. Yeah. Now this is a benefit to, to their customers, but at the same time, sometimes you get a few people who are a bit squeamish about trying the, the new latest and greatest. Um, and in this case, uh, SES, the company's satellite fleet operator. Every, you know what I say? Everything is, is new and fresh the first time. Yes. <laughs> There's always a first. There's always a first. But, in, but here's the thing about SpaceX. They're doing incremental improvements as they go along and making fine-tuning adjustments to improve the profitability as well as the success rate, the success rate yeah. of their craft. And this is very much uh, very different than business as usual with most other uh, companies such as uh, either Roscosmos and the Soyuz or Ariane mm -hmm. or even, um, um, again, Boeing and ULA's uh, Delta IV. So what they've done is they've, they've adjusted the engines for improved thrust. Now the, the, the fallout here is, is that SES, the satellite uh, customer for this next launch, is getting a little squeamish and perhaps a little uncomfortable with the idea of being on this stronger, more powerful engine on the booster. So they're, they're evaluating their decision to continue forward, but no changes to the launch schedule have happened yet. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out as we go forward. So we'll want to keep an eye on, on this stuff. So moving on to our related tech, tonight we bring a whole group of articles that I stumbled upon this week um, with regard to technologies related to manned space flight particularly, but to space flight in general. And this very first one from Universe Today, Exploring the Universe with Nuclear Power. Uh, Matt Williams gives us uh, a wonderful, brief, but very good recap of uh, nuclear propulsion technologies that uh, are either in the works or at least on the drawing boards, and some of which seem pretty interesting. Um, and provide this. These are not the atom bomb things. You know, these these are actually rocket engines designed to run on a nuclear fuel or, or some form of nuclear fission process. So those FBI agents who are actually listening into our program can <laughs> calm down. And we're not talking about strapping a big, right. big one on us, okay? That's right. And, of course, some of these designs um, are intriguing. Um, and he talks about the various differences. He's even got some nice diagrams to help uh, help readers understand what he's talking about. So that I thought that was kind of exciting because there's a, again it's it, it's related tech. It's it's related tech that helps us understand that it's not just about the root of the rocket and the booster or just the crew ca uh, the crew cabin. As we find with the ISS, they've incorporated things like the um, uh, waste fluid processor that takes not only urine, but also takes sweat, draws humidity from the air in the cabin, um, and all of these different sources of moisture in the in the ISS, and then converts that, condenses it, and creates Yeah, we always seem to have to get in something weird and disgusting. <laughs> Hey, I was just pointing if it, out. If it's not urine, it's poop. I don't know what it is about you. Well, that's true. We we did have last week the article about <laughs> the, the poop-powered rocket ships. Several things on poop. And what is that with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, moving on, uh, another article, and this is going to be interesting. I, I, I ran, stumbled across this 
Um, and I thought, okay, well, this is interesting. Um, one of my pet projects is the idea of thinking in terms of settlement, um, not only on the moon or on Mars, but looking further out to the potentials of um, how would we then, what would our next destination after Mars be? Uh, some would say the asteroids, but the asteroids would make a good target for mining, which is just perfect. Most of these are not really huge enough to build a substantial colony on, but you can build a small colony and go from there. At Saturn are rocky moons that could could support a settlement paradigm of some size. You know, I always thought that Mercury was like a flaming ball. No, 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 no. You're thinking of the sun. Well, yes, I know, but it's so close to the sun. It's so small. It really is. But it's interesting. One of the things that I noticed about the article that I had not known, and, and just, to, just to let everybody know, this article is, is just the first in a 12-part series that uh, Space.com is running about living on other, on other planets in our solar system. The first one here, of course, is about Mercury. Then they'll be moving on to Venus next week. And we'll be sharing some of these articles as we come across them. Um, now, Mercury, of course, yeah, it's hot. I mean, it's 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 just, it, it makes the Sierra look like a tropical island. The Sahara Desert look like a tropical island. Mm -hmm. But there were some interesting things um, that the article did bring up. Now, they talk about how the polar regions would give you some respite from the strength of the sun. Mm. And um, they actually, what I didn't know is there's actually ice caps on Mercury. Which I did not know that. Which is just weird to me. Why? I Probably a misconception from, from years of, of lack of knowledge. Well, know, we didn't know. Well, true. I mean, I mean, it was now finding out about polar caps. I mean, you know. Well, the thing to keep in mind is is that, um, and this temperature reference, I, I, I have a personal experience to share about this, um, it can get up to 800 degrees Fahrenheit on the surface of Mercury. Okay, now that's just, that is just stinking hot. That's, that is so hot, it worse, doesn't stink. That's worse in Arizona. <laughs> I know that's hard but, to believe. But I got to share a personal experience. <laughs> I've been experimenting with a, with a, a mirrored parabola dish. Yes, yeah. And <laughs> so now you can say that it's hotter I know, than mercury. I, 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 I know. <laughs> I have seen how hot 800 degrees get. <laughs> <laughs> so now you can you can you can touch well, that as I, a well, as a catchphrase. Sure. Because here, here's the thing. In, in my research, I'm 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 attempting you to generate steam. burn your food. Hey, can I talk here? Come on. I'm 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 attempting to generate steam from a mirrored parabola, and <laughs> I'm I'm making some progress. Yeah. But in in qualifying my temperatures and and doing this whole test, retest, fix postulate, correct, redo. Um, I, my last prototype um, ran into a slight difficulty. Um, I was measuring temperatures uh, on, on the copper boiler section at between six and 800 degrees, and I began to hear this little sizzling, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, I'm dealing with copper pipe. Copper pipe is rated for temperatures and pressures well and away above 800 degrees, and as I looked down, I noticed, oh, the solder that I had used to hold the copper pipe to the backing plate was melting right off of my assembly. Which isn't copper. <laughs> Which isn't copper. The, the solder is, was, was not, again, high enough a temperature. But it, it, it gave me a sense of, of uh, consideration because we, we think in terms, at least those of us in the great unwashed as we are from science and engineering, um, a sense of, of just how hot that can be if just this little three-inch or six-inch space I've gotten up to 800 degrees by reflecting sunlight on it, to relate that to the idea of the entire yard being at 800 degrees <laughs> is just phenomenal. The entire city, um, actually. Well, the city, the whole, yeah. this whole side of the planet. So, yeah. but... And, and the challenges that would be faced in trying to get, uh, or even just just equipment onto the planet, 
are substantial. So the article's called How to Live on Mercury. What would it be like to live on Mercury? It would be damn hot. It would be damn hot. <laughs> <laughs> Which um, is pretty much what I've expected anyway. But that's, that's assuming you landed at the equator. Or you landed somewhere on the face of the planet which, which away is, from yeah, the, the yeah. north or south poles. Now, it is a cratered surface to a certain degree, and given the craters, there is the possibility that you go underground a half a mile or a mile at the poles, you cool. you might actually be able to survive. And in that process, um, you could have instruments that you might be able to stick up and observe the sun at close range. You know, like a little periscope. Just hope it doesn't <laughs> melt too quick. But I could see, I could see a research station on Mercury, studying the sun at close range. I, I you have that. to dig a really big hole. I don't really know how big a hole you'd need, but well, you'd uh, need to dig deep one. That's for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, that, I, I suppose that'd be true. <laughs> Moving on to our next item of uh, interest in our uh, related technology. Uh, 3dprint.com has an article about solar-powered 3D printers on Mars. Now, they've uh, apparently researchers have successfully tested the feasibility of printing surgical tools on the red planet. Now, here's here's a couple of things that the article points out. Number one, um, they're using a 3D printing, and we know all about that. But most of the 3D printers I've seen print plastic. This one prints metal. Right. It actually creates right. metal tools that can then be sharpened to the surgical qualifying sharpness, mm -hmm. uh, sharp as a razor, that they can use to do the various different tasks they have to work on. Now, um, the founder of Mars Without Borders uh, is leading the project, um, uh, and these folks are down at the Mars Desert Research Station in southern Utah, and they're, this is where they're actually doing some of their preliminary testing and design. Um, but they're actually making some, some progress. They, they've selected their printer. They've got um, some of the stuff done. They've actually uh, generated some results with the printer that they've selected. So this, I thought this was really exciting uh, as another aspect of related technology, and whether it's yeah. Mars, the moon, Callisto, where we Calisto, always like watching go. what's going on in 3D printing. Absolutely, and and 3D printing particularly offers a lot of hope as we move forward um, to keep track, of, to be able to generate parts, materials, and so forth that we're going to need when we get to um, to our destinations. Moving on. The Google Lunar X Prize Awards were announced this week. Now, these are the Milestone Awards, and the nice thing about this is, is that the winners actually received a cash award, and some of them actually received different parts, or actual some, some hardware to help them in their progress forward. Since 2007, these teams from around the world have been working towards a dream to kickstart a new era of commercial exploration on the moon. And the idea is these five talented teams have proved that those dreams uh, can become a reality. Uh, Astrobiotic, Hakuto, Moon Express, part-time scientists, and Team Indus have spent the past year putting their hardware and software through a series of rigorous tests um, and technical reviews monitored by the judging panel. Now, this past week, they were awarded $5.25 million in milestone prizes in recognition of their advancements toward the quest and the goal. So again, um, milestone prizes, These are each of these groups is working on a separate project to move uh, lunar mining, or at least the prospect of sending a craft to the moon and uh, bringing back a sample as an end goal. Uh, some, uh, on another note, a, again a reminder as we were talking about earlier about the dangers of space flight or at least even planning for space flight. Um, this past uh, week they reported that the Mars Desert Research Station in Utah 
suffered a fire. Apparently, um, they had a, a heater for the greenhouse got placed a little bit too close to a shelf unit and caught fire. That can happen. As a result, they ended up uh, choosing to uh, close down the mission um, and uh, because a lot of their, their work was dependent upon that. The dangers of spaceflight, whether on a training mission or on uh, actual flight, is huge. May, some of us can remember back uh, to the Mir uh, space station when there was actually a fire on board that spacecraft. And it was a challenging experience for them to um, actually get uh, that fire put out and recover with repairs after, which was a daunting task, I'm sure. Back to 3D printing. NASA.gov is reporting students were selected for winning designs of 3D printed tools for astronauts. After three months of designing and modeling, panel of judges um, have selected the winners in the Future Engineers 3D Printing and Space Tool Challenge. Basically what they did is they told a bunch of students, pick a tool, design the tool, and send us the design for that tool, and we will judge it and pick three winners. Um, used their imagination to create and submit a digital 3D model that they thought astronauts could use in space. And if the astronaut tool breaks, um, if an astronaut's tool breaks, they've got to be able to generate a new one, as we were talking about earlier. So, again, uh, related technology, 3D printing is going to become integral to uh, what we want to do in space. On another note, and again, challenges for space travel. Um, according to NASA psychologist Al Holland, past experience in space has demonstrated that the mental health of a crew can have a substantial impact on the overall success of the mission. Okay, we kind of knew that. <laughs> on at least three occasions, That's Russian missions had to be terminated due to psychological issues hey, that developed. We saw 2001 Space Odyssey. Did we say more? No, no, no. See, that, that wasn't due to human psychological issues. That was due to a conflict that the government gave the computer. <laughs> yeah. Computers just don't have that long-term history that we humans do about making decisions and resolving crises. Mm. Not to mention mm -hmm. reprioritizing on the fly, as we are quite often forced to do. Uh, as we see when situations such as um, challenges arise, whether it be a fire on board, whether it be um, breaking tools, whether it be um, some just guy, some guy just going space crazy. <laughs> In his book, Spacefaring. Or some decide to kill everybody on board. Well, there's always that. In his book, Spacefaring: The Human Dimension. Albert Harrison suggests that there are three stages that emerge over time during long-term missions, whether in space or on or under the sea. The first is characterized by excitement and anxiety, the second by boredom and depression, and the third by increased aggressiveness, aggressiveness and emotional outbursts, something Harrison refers to as third-quarter phenomena. Now, it sounds like somebody living in a city to me. It does, to a certain <laughs> degree. You know, well, you know, I, I've noticed over time that you know, you move into a new apartment, you're 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 really happy about the apartment the first three four weeks to two months, um, then it settles in that it's just your it's it's home, it's just another place. You start throwing your clothes around, and and then then comes the the drudgery as as time goes on when you start thinking about oh man, I hate this place, and you start getting agitated and. and begin to struggle with where we're living, probably because of that great big stain of spaghetti you dropped on the thing because somebody rang the doorbell in the middle of your favorite horror show. Scared the crap out of you. <laughs> now I don't want to live there no more. Not only because there's a big stain on the carpet, but because somebody scared the crap out of me while I was you there. You never know who's at your door. You know oh, what I mean? Well, that, that's true. That's why they have these little people things nowadays. Oh. Uh, I have to get... I 
not tall enough to see it. Right. No, the point of his book, though, is, is this third quarter effect. This, the 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 aggressiveness, the the anxiety, the, the the frustration that begins being felt in this third quarter stage of the mission uh, presents a real problem um, if people can't find ways to um, anticipate it and deal with the potential causes, or at least those things that lead up to it. Not For only sure. being just time, but the aspect of the boredom and the challenging. I mean, you can't go out shopping. Well, there is true. That is true. <laughs> uh, the, the shopping center is a little bit... A little far. Uh, a little far away. Um, another new new thing that I, I just... I had to laugh when I saw this. Um <laughs> Well, we've talked before about space beers yeah. and uh, different things. Celestial suds. Celestial and, suds. Yeah. About things that different companies will do to keep their name in, in front of consumers. As much as we talk about that, we should be like getting a kickback from them. Oh, I don't know. Well, Adidas now has Adidas. new sneakers. Um, ties their new sneakers to historic NASA astronaut spacesuits. And these are actually some pretty good-looking sneakers. Yeah. Um, I'd buy them. All white. Um because uh, there's no color, you know, for the for the fashions. Well, right. Space traveler. Uh, on the grommets, it's got the red, the white, the blue, yeah, you know, all got, stuff it's, by it's astronauts. Just so. enough, like I said, just enough color. Yeah. Of course, the, I imagine they'll probably the fashion officiato that's going to be stranded on the moon. Of course, mountain. given that a space suit is on the order of a couple of million dollars a piece, what do you think Adidas is going to be charging for these? At least four or five hundred dollars. They're probably still making them in China. Oh, yeah, four or five hundred dollars at least. I mean, come on. Um, yo, -ho, heavens! Prices for the Raf Simmons collection are expected to range, and I was guessing from four hundred and fifty-five dollars to seven hundred and thirty dollars a pair. Oh Give my me God. a break! Wow. Five hundred to seven hundred dollars for a pair of shoes. Well, not to mention that if that were true, they should be like. Moon boots for that. I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, it should be oh, like made wow. with with moon dust. I mean, goodness, it's just unbelievable. Well, you know, given that, <laughs> I have something for you. You could use those moon shoes on. I stumbled, and I mean, I literally stumbled across this today. Uh, <laughs> on a website you, called using the pun of the shoes. Yes. Um. For pedal power, pedal power, you can use your foot power to power a cultivating tractor. So you need $700 shoes to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, just keep them off of the ground so they don't get dirty. Right. So I mean, heaven forbid what would happen if you asked your Absolutely. Yeah. A pedal-powered tractor for cultivation and seeding built from a lawn tractor, ATV, and bicycle parts. Now, speed is between 3 and 4 miles per hour, depending on the choice of gearing and your pedaling speed. Better for the operator's body, less soil compaction, no fuel use, cheaper than a tractor, and easily adaptable to specific needs. And, you know, I'm I can see doing that, here. Uh, taking that on the moon using it. Well, sure. Or, you know, but you'd have to have a big enough space to be using. I wouldn't want to do that in a spacesuit. <laughs> all the sharp edges on that thing, man. You'd rip oh your goodness. spacesuit to shreds. Yeah. You wouldn't survive the first well, blowing. Th that's a but rudimentary version. I'm sure if you had an indoor greenhouse, uh -huh. I could see doing this, assuming you had a point where you developed, right, where you had soil and something to that. cultivate with. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think this could be uh, more than just uh, a reasonable. Pedal power. You know, it reminds me of Gilligan's Island. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, they've even got a video here that shows it. Because you have to scroll cool. down people in order to see the, the oh, yeah. great, great videos. Wow. Yeah. So they've, they've got one showing the motor, or at least the gearing at the, the rear wheels. They've got another one showing um, in uh, the mechanisms in front of uh, the rider, and a third one showing the cultivated uh, field that they plowed. So definitely check this place out. I mean, it, that's, that's an interesting idea. It's an interesting website there. Right. Farmhack.com. Uh -huh. Oh yeah, um, I'm going to be exploring that this uh, this week to see if there's anything else. Sorry, farmhack.net, everyone. Oh goodness. 
from New Scientist. Last. Are we in last? We, we've seen a flurry of articles this, this past week. Flurry. About the next generation Internet. Elon yeah, Musk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elon Musk being it. one of them. Uh, and Virgin Galactic and Qualcomm being the other. Have engaged in a race to see who can put up hundreds. Now, keep in mind, currently today, we have a handful of satellites that manage our Internet uh, data going up to the satellite and coming back down. But what these guys are talking about, they're talking about putting up hundreds. In the case of Virgin and uh, Qualcomm, they're talking about putting up 648 satellites in orbit um, about three times the distance of the ISS. The ISS is roughly about 320 miles up. Um, and they're talking about putting these, thing, these things up around 1,200 kilometers, which is in, that, in the range of two to three times higher than the space station. But 600, and SpaceX announced its own plan, building and launching 4,000 satellites to a similar attitude. You know, though, I, I have to really question this because th I got a real problem with this. Overspending? No. Imagine if you've got, so let's say both of them um, decide, actually complete what they're doing. We're talking nearly 5,000 new satellites in orbit within the next few, next 10 or, or 20 years. Now, uh, the problem I have with this is we have six six to ten, we got what, uh, 22,000 objects right now being oh, yeah. tracked by the space, um, uh, the space command as space junk. Mm -hmm. What are they thinking, throwing up another 5,000 things to fly around in orbit that we've got to dodge if we're going to try and get to the moon or Titan or anywhere? Or, or anywhere? Yeah. Just get through there. You know, I mean, they're creating this tight right, that's web. That's like taking everything in your hallway, okay? you got all your crap in the hallway. There's <laughs> no, no way to get like, into the bedroom. It's, it's, like, it's like taking your entire collection of all of those um, model kits that you built as a kit, and you need a place to store them and display them. So you line your hallway with all of these 300 hanging models. Yeah, and then try to get and, through. And that's, not try to get through to the bedroom. Yeah, without whacking yourself. Without whacking yourself in the face, <laughs> cutting yourself up on propellers oh, that, that or machine guns. That would be a really interesting picture. <laughs> I can, and you're seeing it already in my head. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I must admit, you know, uh, there is a reasonable business reason to put a boatload of satellites up to handle satellite Internet. But 5,000 satellite objects up yeah, there, in addition to what sex. we've got, in a matter of a, of a decade or two, man, we, oh, man, this is just makes not you, well makes thought you wanna, out. Makes you want to spit. Oh, shit, worse than that. <laughs> uh, but th there has to come a point where somebody comes along and says, hey, wait a minute. This, this business as usual, throwing more and more junk into orbit around the planet, is going to someday make it impossible for us to leave the planet. Mm -hmm. And there you go. we just, we, we have to take a better stance and find a way to bring some of that trash back home and take care of it, remove it, burn it up, whatever, to clear that space so that we can be assured that there's going to be room to get through that net of objects in the coming years when we do want to go to settlement. Yes, we want to go. Uh, anyway. Get that stuff out of the way. That's our show for tonight, folks. Well, hang on. Well, what? Yes. It's almost 8 o'clock. We've so, gone through all my material. We, we've got like dozens of stuff to Oh, okay, okay, here. okay. So you want to go you through... Opportunities to participate. Uh-huh. And I've actually added a couple tonight, this last week, okay, folks. Okay, so don't, I've, don't I've get been, sloppy. <laughs> especially with these. Um, in, in the software arena, there's Kerbal Space Program, a downloadable game where you can actually design and build your own spacecraft, 
launch it into orbit, land on another planet, and conceivably start your own colony. There's been some neat enhancements coming up this past year. And there were there, guys, so go ahead and Um, click on those. Right. Um, The Orbiter is a free realistic space space flight simulation program for the Windows PC. Um, Check it out. They've got reviews. They've got forums. uh, A lot of those things uh, going together. Um, There are a lot of also other other games to play, NASA space place games, space games on Congregate, space games on Armor. Dozens of vintage space games are now available online. Check out that link. And space games on Steam or Google others at a link I've put at the bottom of the list. Are you keeping up with me? No, because I have to do each individual one. I'm on the second part. Oh, you don't have well. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, Otherwise, you do. it wants to be clickable. Right. Well, I sure hope you guys appreciate this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're on NASA's base place games. This is going to be a while, but you know what? While I do that, um, did you want to show? You're saying that you're not going to have commentary tonight? Or did we did you? our commentary. I mean... 5,000 new satellites up in oh, orbit around the Earth in the next true. decade or so. Yeah, you you uh, did an article is, about that in the WAD once, and you had the picture of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was just on the old Space Junk article, yeah. which, I mean, just the quantity of stuff that's been thrown up, and this is just, this is like a slap in the face. Um, I can I can see where it would, it would help um, by expanding Internet access to people, but... At, at what cost? Hey, you start sharing. Well, you know, <laughs> like then, recycling. You know, here, here's here's the thing though. If people are going to be engaging satellite internet with these satellites, what kind of hardware are they going to have to have on the planet, down on the ground, in order to access these satellites uh, for yeah, internet access? Yeah, that's, that's scary. And I can see where these five thousand might not even be enough to get full coverage for all the traffic that flies across the internet each and every day. Um, the, the millions and now billions of websites that are out there uh, for people to uh, work with. Um, just, it's it's phenomenal the way the Internet has grown. And these guys are uh, coming up with ways to expand and grow their business in those areas. Um, but we have lots of uh, gift ideas, uh, celestial suds, uh, out-of-the-world gifts for him or her, uh, and educational gifts and fun ideas for the kids. Which is what I'm... Just putting up now. And then when we go further on down the list, you know what I'll have to do is we'll have to get a single, I'll well, put together a single post. Yeah. That well, you we boom and bam. Right. That way we can just say tell you guys like okay go to this this location on our website and you guys. <laughs> Which I, that's that kind of a thing. We should, we should probably create a website for the next space. I've been thinking about that. What do you well, think? Been, think that would be a good idea? We've been talking about that. What are you talking about? So, yeah, and then all this all this junk can be, <laughs> all this space junk <laughs> can go up on there and be clickable for you guys. This junk, like space junk, is accumulating very quickly. It's going to be <laughs> darn long and awful lot, awful lot. I mean, I'm still not even uh. at the bottom of the list yet here. What the heck is Wow. There there is a lot that I mean, it's, is it's, available. It's good stuff, but it's it's like when I need to have a location to put this up. You know, I'll tell you when I started this program when we started this program, I did I had no idea there was this much stuff out there that people could engage I, I in. I think that everyone part of. so far everyone has been saying that they're surprised about that too. And they like having these clickable mm-hmm. uh web lines. Well sure. Um, so for those who aren't watching the Super Bowl, thank you. <laughs> and that you're actually listening to us, we appreciate that. Since you know, we could be watching the football too, but you know, it's okay. not. Okay, we're just not into that. I would rather right. watch Star Trek than football any well, day. Well, I think most of us would. <laughs> I don't mind watching the, the commercials, though, you know. Uh, some of the commercials are rather cute. They're cute. Yeah, or they're controversial. 
as they're all going for more and more these days. Every year, you got to have something that's controversial. Budweiser apparently got their, their had to pull their at the last minute and one of their spots because of puppy power. Us lovers of dogs, which hey, you know, I understand the point of view, but you know, who's going to know that? You know, although I I know about that, I I just can't grasp the concept that Budweiser thought that commercial was funny. Which one was this? This is where the puppy gets falls out of, out of the out of the uh, vehicle, uh, makes its way home, only to find out that it's just been bought online because it's a puppy farm and <laughs> breeding farm, and they have to go back in the box again. I mean, that is just plain sad. Yeah. Why they thought that was funny, and I, I have to say, <laughs> somebody got their ass fired. Is all I got to say. Well, I, so, I doubt that. I doubt the that. advertising agency probably. Yeah. Hey, if the I commercial works, money. that's what the customer well expects. It it didn't really technically work. They got bad rap for it, but oh, they did. Oh yeah, they they yanked it. Oh. <laughs> they said, oh well, we're sorry. We didn't realize that it was, we thought this was going to be funny. Clearly, it missed the mark. It clearly, it missed the mark. Okay. Uh, so, with that, I got I got everything. Do you want me to go ahead and I can? Just yeah, let's wrap up the show and okay. call it a night. We uh, again, thanks, thank you all for joining us Hang tonight. On. I'm gonna get um, the calendar of events before we go off, but you say goodbye, Al. Goodbye. <laughs> and, yeah, for everything that he talks, he he finally says something short. Okay, so obviously Super Bowl tonight, but, you know, we're going to be back here next Sunday. Um, hopefully we'll get back here in time. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, we'll be on the other side of town at a meeting. So 7 o'clock, uh, if we if we change it, it's going to be 8 at the very latest. So uh, keep an eye out for that. I may very well have to go an hour later because we have a 4 o'clock in the other side of town. But... Um, otherwise, next weekend, really, honestly, nothing going on yet. Um, I know I'm I'm going crazy trying to get all the books ready for the amazing Comic-Con, as amazing years of Comic-Con on 13th, 14th, and 15th. Um, believe it or not, our, our good Donald Al there is actually going to be at the con uh, with his brand new book. Um, heaven help us that we get to get it done next week. So, um, it's one of one of the books that is freaking me out, uh, but getting it done and uh, he'll be there signing on the on the set surf on the Friday and Saturday, um, on the thirteenth and fourteenth, and it's right downtown Phoenix at the at the convention center. Uh, amazing Arizona Comic Con. Um, then we've got on the twenty first. Uh, publishing and marketing meetup uh, for authors. I from 12:30 to 2:30. I teach uh, a couple hours uh, per month, and whenever I can, just because as on the convention in a way, in April we will not be, or March we will not be meeting because of that. But uh, we'll definitely be available on February 21st. Uh, if you want more information on publishing and marketing meetup, definitely uh, give me a holler on Facebook at PJ. Dot Holtstrand, and that's H-U-L-T-S-T-R-A-N-D. Don't forget the two T's, otherwise you won't find me. And then on the 22nd of February, we're doing a special Hey Girl show. Um, from Looks like from uh, 3 o'clock until 5. Um, and uh, that's, that's going to be announced on who we're actually uh, going to be interviewing. It's thing we're working on uh, a good name and the thing is that it's going to be live a live show like we usually do and then uh, a regular hate girl show the day after that because we're changing from Wednesday to Wednesday uh, that that changeover of days is going to be uh, this month uh, so the regular hate girl show will be the last Monday of the month from now on 
so February 23rd will be 8 to 10 p.m. And again, it's a live show at uh, in uh, Tempe. And that will be a timeout lounge on Mill Avenue and Southern. More information again. Uh, the Hey Girl Show is attached to me on Facebook. Definitely get the, uh, or you can go on Facebook and and punch in Hey Girl Show, and you go straight to their fan page for more information. On this, go back a little bit. Uh, this next Friday, on um, February sixth, that's this, this next Friday, is a book lunch party for Clusters Case of the Missing book. From 7 to 8.30, and that's going to be in Scottsdale, at the Parsh Persian Cuisine on Scottsdale, Arizona, from 7 to 8.30. It's a meet and greet with the author, and T.M. Williams is the author, and again, it's going to be Friday, February 6th. I will also be out there uh, representing her as as her publisher, and... um, this is the first hardcover that Arizona Publishing Services has produced, and we're very excited about it. So, um, all those are invited. Um, just so you know that you, that in order to for her to feed you, you actually have to buy a book, either pre pre sale uh, book on her website at theaccidentalwriter.com. Theaccidentalwriter.com. If you pre-order her book, you will get into the dinner party for free. So definitely come on out and have some fun. You can buy the book on on site if you want to wait and take a look at it. They're coming in the door tomorrow, so I'm very excited to see them too. (laughs) So with that, this is KWOD Radio, and this is Patty Hillstrand signing out for today. You guys have a great week, Uh, and be careful. Careful out there. Uh, those backies, we feel for you with your sn- with all the snows you've been dealing with, and uh, we know how it's been for the last few days here with with really frigid rain, and of course lots of snow up north uh, in Arizona. And so when you're if you're watching the football for the game for the rest of the night, think of us here in Arizona. With that, this is K Rod Radio signing out. Come on out to the Hey Girls Americana Radio Show, hosted by Song River and Carol Pacey of Carol Pacey and the Honey Shakers. All coming to you live on KWOD Independent Internet Radio, broadcasting from the Ice House Tavern in Phoenix, Arizona. All sound recorded and mixed by Vintage Note Records. Come on out, check out the show, and then visit the website at blogtalkradio.com backslash kwodradio. We'll see y'all out there.